This is Packers Now. Kyle Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Touchdown! Place for all your Packers news. Lost it over the left side into the end zone. Intercepted! Adrian Get the latest updates on the green and gold. Snap to Aaron Rodgers. Sets, fires, right side. Got Jordan Kelly at the 30. Touchdown! It's always Packers season at Packers Now. Right here, right now. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and in one of the craziest comebacks I've seen in quite a while, Jordan Love and this Packers offense in the fourth quarter scored 18 points to come back and win this game against the Saints. They were down 17-0, scored 18 in the fourth quarter. It was just an awesome game. It was an epic game. It reminded me of the Bears comeback in 2018, I think it was where Rodgers got hurt and came back in the second half and won that game. Just an amazing performance to finish the game by Jordan Love and this offense, and really this defense as well. Uh, Defensively, the Packers did pretty good, only giving up 10 points in the first half with Derek Carr out there at quarterback. Even if you take into account the Packers' defense going up against backup quarterback James Winston in the second half, it's still pretty awesome that they shut down that offense completely. In the second half, without Derek Carr out there, well, Derek Carr was out there for one drive, but they forced five punts in a row and then the missed field goal at the end of the game. How we won this game defensively is exactly how we previewed this game. It started with stopping the run. We knew this was a bad Saints rushing offense, plus a team without its top two running backs. The Packers needed to be successful stopping the run and they really were. They averaged, The Saints averaged just three and a half yards per carry in this game, which is really good for the Packers defense um, because we know we've struggled to stop the run in the past. And so it's nice to see that they were able to do that, especially considering the Packers were without Devondre Campbell for most of this game, who left due to an ankle injury. The other thing we did really well defensively was win on money downs. Money downs are third in obvious passing situations. And the Saints were just four for 14 on third down in this game, which is awesome defensively. And it was really because the Packers were able to get pressure on these specific plays. Kenny Clark had a sack on third down on the first drive that forced the punt. The third drive ended by Rashawn Gary sack to force a punt. Then the first drive of the second half, Rashawn Gary, another sack on third down that knocked Derek Carr out of the game. Three different drives ended because on third down, the Packers were able to get pressure on the most important down and ultimately keep us in this game because while you never want to see anyone get injured, especially a quarterback, if you can knock out the other team starter, as you saw that happened on Sunday, it can shut down an entire team's offense. This is why pass rush is probably the most important thing you can ask for as you're building a defense, because if you can hit a quarterback, you might hurt a quarterback. And if you hurt a quarterback, either they will continue to play hurt and they will cause big mistakes because they're going to be thrown off or their backup comes in and then your percentages of winning that game go up big time. And this is why you should be investing in the offensive line so much to, to protect your quarterback at all costs uh, because you don't want them getting hurt. You don't want your season to end because you didn't protect them. That's why for years, the Packers had the best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL and don't ask the jets about this because they wish right now so bad that they had invested in their offensive line. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. 
Other than these couple points defensively, though, this game really didn't go well for the Packers. Salary cap-wise, the Packers were without five of their top seven players in Jai Alexander, and then offensively, the Packers were without its top four players, uh, no Elkin Jenkins, no David Bakhtiari, no Aaron Jones, no Christian Watson. That's 31.9% of our entire salary cap did not play yesterday. So that should give you a little clarity on why this game did not go that well. Not to mention... Not only is that such a large part of our salary cap, but it's also a big part of our veteran presence. So our youth was asked to do a lot. They were on full display full display in this game, and they could do nothing right without the leadership from these other guys. You could see the lack of experience knowing this offense. It led to mistake after mistake, and just really this whole offense, especially just not being on the same page. The Packers. On the first drive alone, had a false start by Royce Newman, a holding call by J.R.J., which led to Packers going for it on fourth and two. And Matt LaFleur, again, with an incredible play call, drew up a beautiful throwback that was wide open. Emmanuel Wilson made a bad throw to Jordan Love, and then Jordan Love also slipped on the play. But that led to a turnover on downs, which the Saints then scored a touchdown on that drive. Those three mistakes were at least a seven-point swing, probably kind of a pretty much a guaranteed 10-point swing. We should have been able to get at least a field goal on that drive. Second drive, false start on a third and five by Zach Tom. Makes it third and 10, and then we were forced to punt after not picking it up. Third drive, holding call by Jaden Reed leads to second and 15, and then two incomplete passes and a punt. That led to a punt return touchdown by Rashid Shahid. Another big seven-point swing due to Packers' mistakes. The fourth drive, to me, was the only drive that didn't end on a Packers' mistake, but it was a bad call by the refs, really. I thought Jordan Love threw that ball away, which led to a 14-yard sack, which took us out of field goal position on third down. Then then it was a kneel down at the end of the half, and then the second half, another false start, this time by Luke Musgrave, which led Jordan Love heaving up an awful ball for a deep interception on third down because it was like third and 15. And then next drive, Samari Torre, offensive pass interference on first down, backed them up five yards, which led to a three and out. And then finally... The Packers put a full drive together and get to another fourth and two situation. And then Jordan Love and Patrick Taylor aren't on the same page and it leads to an incompletion. It looks like it was Patrick Taylor's fault, but just lack of experience again led to a turnover on downs. That was the first three quarters of this game. And the Packers had not necessarily done anything. The Saints didn't do anything special to make them this way. The Packers did this to themselves. Okay, they beat themselves over the first three quarters of this game. Every single drive, except the bad call in the sack, instead of a throw, uh, that being a throwaway, there was mental mistakes written all over it, which ended every single drive. Through the first three quarters, of the three quarters, the Packers had nine penalties, seventy yards, and all of them are critical pen- penalties that we, as we just noted. Jordan Love was not playing well. He was missing throws, making mistakes. And then when he wasn't, the guys around him were. You could just tell how young this team was. And this is what we talked about prior to the start of the season, that this Packers team at times is going to look like one of the worst teams in football offensively. And you saw that through three quarters of this game. But Matt LaFleur really didn't do a ton to help Love as a play caller in this game. Yes, he's calling good plays with good play design to get people open when he is asking Jordan Love to drop back and pass. But why are we so focused on running the football? The Packers are running the football tied for the fifth most of any team in the NFL so far this season. The teams with them are the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Browns. They're Browns they're tied with. 
you know what those teams have in common? They have either top run blocking offensive lines and or elite running backs. The Packers don't have either of those two things. So why are we running the football so much? All of the data says that it's better for your offense and for your quarterback to allow them to drop back and pass on neutral downs. That means first and second down when it's not obvious you're going to drop back and pass. It's not second and 12. It's not first and 15. Okay. So in this game, Prior to the driver, the Packers were down 17 about halfway through the third quarter. Okay. And at that point, I think everything's out the window because you just need to score. Uh, but but prior to that, on neutral downs, first or second, where it was realistic for the Packers to run or pass, there were 16 plays. Jordan Love threw the ball just six times versus we ran the football 10 times. Or I should say we dropped back to pass six times versus run the ball 10 times. So this is the time where the defense can be taken off guard, where play action can be best utilized. The pass rush has to honor the run, and yet Matt LaFleur isn't letting Jordan Love simply drop back and pass in these situations. He's relying on a non-existing ground game. The Packers have the seventh lowest run blocking unit in the NFL, and the stats show that as well. On running back runs, the Packers averaged just 2.8 yards per carry in this game. The Packers need to realize at this point in the year, they aren't good at running the football, especially without Bakhtiari or Elgin Jenkins or Aaron Jones. And that should push them to do the more analytically driven decisions anyways, which is throw the football more than pass and especially throw the football in those neutral situations. And this would also make Jordan Love's life easier. I think we'd see a better Jordan Love than the one we're seeing consistently. I will say the decisions to go for it on fourth and down, fourth down, and the two point conversion were incredible calls by Matt LaFleur and incredibly the right call, even if they didn't work. And they didn't work right away. Two fourth and twos that led to turnovers, great play calls, bad execution. Fourth and one on the goal line, uh, zone read led to a touchdown, two point conversion. All of it was the right call. Traditional football tells us take the points every time you get the chance. But next-gen stats, all of the other major major data sources have done the math. All of those decisions were the right moves to try and win this football game. And honestly, uh, the data, it just shows it. I'm not going to sit down here and break down a huge graph because this is a podcast. But the data says those situations where you're that close to the opponent's touchdown and that short of yardage, like fourth and two, fourth and one, Easily the right call to go for it almost every single time. So how did Jordan Love do? Because while he finished the game well, he's still not doing great on the season, though. According to PFF, after three three weeks of play, Jordan Love is the 22nd ranked quarterback in the, in the NFL right now, just behind Joshua Dobbs, who was traded to the Cardinals to be their starting quarterback a couple days before the start of the preseason for a pick swap of a fifth and a seventh round pick. That's not good. Really, a guy you just bet the farm on. I think this whole team and this whole coaching staff for the Packers is much better than many expected, which is currently helping carry Jordan Love as he gets more comfortable. And I hate to be mean to Jordan Love. He's basically a rookie quarterback who deserves the whole season because tr- truly, Love showed us at the end of this game, he can run this offense. He can make great decisions. He can be pinpoint with the football and he can be athletic and make plays on the ground. But consistently, he's not there yet. But 
watching the end of this game, the deep balls that led to PI calls, the throw to Jaden Reed up the seam, the fade route to Dobbs, the 24-yard scramble down the sideline, and then probably the coolest play of them all was beating elite linebacker Demario Davis one-on-one to get in for that touchdown. I was so impressed at the end of this game with what Jordan Love did. It's in there. He can be the guy. This looked like Aaron Rodgers to me that last quarter. It was awesome to see. It gave me goosebumps. It gave me chills. And it's so exciting to think what this offense can be by the end of the season. But that will only be the case if we can get healthy. And the Packers got pretty banged up in this game, though. On the last offensive drive, Zach Tom had a knee injury that seems not to be too serious, but on a short week, could be a big issue to see if he can play on Thursday. Same with Devonder Campbell. Ankle injury, which is not the ankle he had issues with during camp. Carrington Valentine had a bicep injury. Nothing's torn, I guess. Elton Jenkins will most likely not be ready by Thursday. It sounds like Aaron Jones and Christian Watson could have played in this game, but the Packers were being safe, prioritizing that Lions divisional game as that is an important win if the Packers can get it. And let's talk team building for a second because some players we've talked about before stood out again this week. Jalen Carter was dominant once again. I saw last night... You know, and if you really think about it, replacing Devontae Wyatt and Lucas Van Ness for Drake Jackson and Jalen Carter, the Packers would easily have the best pass rush in the NFL right now. It wouldn't even be close. Preston Smith and Drake Drake Jackson, Kenny Clark and Jalen Carter with Rashawn Gary taking over for Preston or Drake Jackson. We don't even need Preston, really. That would be an awesome defensive line, and I can't, I'm struggling to get over it because... It was there, it was available to us, and the Packers didn't jump on those opportunities. Uh, Rashawn Gary was so good in this game with three sacks, the four quarterback hits on just 23 snaps. I have. I just want to remind everyone, he's not playing that much football yet. He, the Packers are being very cautious with him to not overdo his workload, and he has being, been so successful uh, while out there and so dominant and so important, such an important piece of our defense. And then as we think about team building, let's talk about the David Bakhtiari situation. To me, there's no knowing if David Bakhtiari will be able to play in this game on Thursday or any game by that matter. We talked about this last week, but if Bakhtiari does not play, did not play on Sunday, that meant meant his knee is actually bothering him, which means his contract this season is pretty much wasted because it's if it's already bothering him, it will continue to bother him the rest of the year. And it begs the question, why didn't we trade Bakhtiari when we had the chance? Like, seriously. I'm not in the building every year to see how he's doing, how the athletic training staff is doing, but the Jets were so adamant in the draft that they needed to get one of the big offensive tackles in this year's draft class. But that didn't happen because the Steelers traded up to pick 14 in order to secure uh, the last offensive tackle on the board before the Jets selected. That was big. And the Jets have the ninth worst pass blocking unit in the NFL so far this season. They were adding Aaron Rodgers, a QB notorious for holding on to the football too long. Last year, that pass blocking offensive line was the third worst. So now imagine it's the day of the draft. Okay. The day of the draft is occurring. The Packers waited it out. They have all the leverage. Now the Jets need Aaron Rodgers. They have every plan around the fact that he's going to be their quarterback. They desired an offensive tackle most of all in the first round. Their second round pick they used on an interior offensive lineman, Joe Titman. The Packers could have given them a trade. 
that would have truly helped them, but also actually secured the Packers' real draft capital while also giving up some risk. So here's the trade. Day of, Packers go to the Jets and say, hey, we will take your first-round pick, your second-round pick, and next year's first-round pick for Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets at that point still would have refused. They would have been they would have been desperate, but they would have still held, held the ground. So they refuse and they say, no way. We can give you this year's second and next year's first for Aaron Rodgers because we need that first-round pick and that second-round pick to finish out our offensive line. That was their plan. And the Packers are like, okay, we got what we wanted. We secured next year's first-round pick. We still got this year's second. Um, but now, now they also had an opportunity. Okay, Rodgers loves playing with his guys. David Bakhtiari is one of his best buddies. The Jets had needs at offensive tackle and on the interior offensive line. What if the Packers came back and said, hey, we will trade you David Bakhtiari and Josh Myers as well, and the deal is done, but add this year's first. The Jets would have gotten everything they wanted. It would have, would have made Aaron Rodgers even happier because he has a center he knows he can trust, a left tackle he can trust, and now his pay cut would be going exactly where he knew it needed to go. And the honestly, that pay cut probably could have happened pretty much immediately. Now the Packers would have have the 13th overall pick, the 15th overall pick, and the 50th overall pick, and still guaranteed next year's first round pick. Maybe then, and this, that's amazing. Just imagine that, okay? And David Bakhtiari is no longer on your team. Yes, we would have taken a huge dead cap hit like we did for Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari is not on this team. And while I had every reason to hope that he would be healthy and good to go, we knew that it was best decision just to move on because it was just too great of a risk. And we're seeing that play out now. Now, you have the 13th pick, the 15th overall pick. What if, like I've been banging the table for, what if we would have traded up with the Bears? Hey, the Bears traded back because they didn't need a quarterback. And you're like, hey, Bears, we'll give you our 13th overall pick, 15th overall pick to get up to to go get Jalen Carter. But you give us next year's first round pick to, to do that. Okay. And we give them a third round pick. I don't know. Something else maybe to make that happen. But the Bears then could draft Broderick Jones and Will McDonald, Will McDonald, two of their biggest draft needs this year because that team, they thought prior to the season, the Bears thought they were on the cusp of competing. They might have actually done a trade like this. They thought they were right there. The Packers could have gotten what they truly needed, an elite interior defense lineman, the Packers would have actually drafted the offensive tackle and centers I loved out of Ohio State, Dewan Jones and Luke Weipler. Now, if Luke Weipler is your guy, the Packers love him. Then you have Zach Tom starting at left tackle. Either Dewan Jones or Rasheed Walker started at right tackle. And heck, if Luke Weipler wasn't ready, Zach Tom, everyone says he can be an elite center. We haven't seen it, but everyone says that's true because he's played offensive tackle most of his time in the NFL now. This would have been truly awesome for the Packers' future. Then, while Jaden Reed did have an awesome day truly on Sunday, if he can just fix those two drops, I'm sure his PFF grade would have been much higher. He looked really good, and he has looked really good, and I've been pleasantly surprised, okay? But 
that is an issue when you're drafting these true slot receivers. They're small guys, and small guys generally have small hands, which can make consistent hands an issue. I would like to say, like I said, I've been happily surprised by Jane Reed's immediate success and usefulness to our offense, but small, undersized receiver for the Texans, Tank Dell, now has been targeted 17 times in the last two games in an offense similar to the Packers with not a ton of outright obvious talent and now has a 77.5 receiving grade over the first three games of the season, which is fourth in the NFL of all rookies, about 10 points higher than Jaden Reed. Now, imagine you have Tank Dell, but Dell, Dell doesn't need to be drafted to the third round, so you just draft him instead of Tucker Craft. That means the Packers had an extra second round pick, which easily could have became Brian Branch, as Branch has been one of the better rookie defensive players in all of the NFL so far this season. He is an elite run defense grade so far this season as a hybrid safety slot cornerback. Had an elite game in coverage last week as well. Already has a pick six on Patrick Mahomes in week one. Then Ivan Pace Jr. and undrafted free agent for the Vikings. Had we simply just overpaid for him, he would be on our team right now. That was just a money issue. Uh, and Ivan Pace Jr. is the second best rookie defender in the NFL. Only behind who? Jalen Carter. Pace has an 84.9 PFF grade. Jalen Carter has an elite PFF grade. And Pace is an, a big special teamer, which could have we could have used after that punt return on touchdown on Sunday, that's for sure, having another quality linebacker for our special teams. So right now, if we rethink about what this team could look like, we would have the two best rookie defenders in the NFL right now, Jalen Carter and Ivan Pace Jr. We would also have Brian Branch, who's been one of the best safety slot cornerbacks our weakest position group on the team. We would have Tank Dell over Jane Reed. We'd have both Dewan Jones and Luke, Luke Weipler to make up for the loss of Bakhtiari and Josh Myers. But the loss of Bakhtiari was a risk that would have been smart to let go of as he seems to be seriously doubtful the rest of the season if this is the way things are going with his knee. And the best part of all, the Packers now would have three first-round picks in next year's draft. Their own, the Jets, because we played our hands right and secured that, and the Bears. Now the Bears... One, uh, maybe we would have gotten something else. Maybe we would have gotten two second-round picks for that trade and a third instead. I don't know. But it's feasible to believe the Bears would have done that trade. Three 2024 first-round picks, a better football team right now. That still would have been 2-1. and one. And actually, you know what? Replacing Jalen Carter snaps with any of our other interior defensive linemen against the Falcons, plus another quality defensive back in Brian Branch, the Packers would have beat the Falcons. We would be 3-0 three and, three and right now. We would be a better team with a better record and a better future. So it's frustrating as we look. I know it's early in the year and we can always look back and say, what if, what if, what if, but we can't not say what if when these were easy options for us to build this team and the Packers want to build a better future. They want to build the best team they can. We need to be critical of the decisions they're making. And anyways, this was still an awesome win by the Packers, a fun win. It's fun cheering for a team that is just so young and truly is the underdog most weeks. We've seen glimpses, stretches of play from Jordan Love where he looks like the man. Can he start to do that more consistently? Can our team get healthy around him to see if that helps bring out the best in him? Can Matt LaFleur start addressing the data when it comes to his play calling, not just fourth down decisions, which has been great, but to make things easier on Jordan Love as well by throwing the football and not just running the football so much. There's a lot of improvements to be made. But if these things can happen, truly, this offense could be a top 10 unit by the end of the season and a team that nobody would want to face come the playoffs. And the playoffs right now are truly a possibility for the Green Bay Packers. So 
That's all we have today, folks. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the Green and Gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.